morning, Goldendale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here on another terrific Tuesday for Torch Report 478. Are we in a new political era? Friends, today we'll be scanning the shifting seas of public sentiment and demographics in pursuit of a proper perspective and practical solutions. Now, yesterday... I was making the point that illegal immigration is a cornerstone of the global cabal's effort to destabilize nations, to change national demographics, and to undermine national sovereignty by importing voters who are inherently dependent upon the government. I also documented in yesterday's report how this nefarious operation is being conducted under the banner of human rights, as if those criminals who are blatantly disregarding disregarding the rule of law, disregarding our border, are now somehow entitled to free health care, free education, and free housing at the expense of the hardworking law-abiding citizens who stand by just stunned by this daylight invasion, shall we say. So, friends, this is happening in countries all around the world. And as a result, in places like Switzerland and, and even up in New York City, there are, there are anti-immigration protests that seem to have just kind of erupted out of nowhere. It's as if local citizens have finally had enough. And politicians who can articulate why immigration is such a threat to the local community are winning big in elections all across the EU, uh, the European Union, and also right here at home. If you see uh, like Trump being up 60% in the polls, right? Now, the lefties in the media, they call this the rise of the far right, all of these anti-immigration protests. This is the rise of the far right. But in reality... I believe it's a rise in common sense. It's a rise in logic and local control and self-determination. This trend in anti-immigration sentiment reflects a rise in the percentage of people who are just kind of tired of the global agenda being shoved down their throats. The rise of people who yearn to be free, to make their own choices, to keep their neighborhoods safe from uh, these foreign invaders, and, and, and who yearn and desire to enjoy their cultural customs, their traditions, you know, to embrace life as it was. Now, in some sense, I think this this rise in anti-immigration sentiment, this is the essence of our shared humanity actually rising to the surface of public thought, an emerging sentiment that is distinctly at odds with the globalists' propaganda. You know, what they say may sound nice, but the reality of it is a whole different animal, and that's that reality that people are waking up to right now. We are not one world, okay? We don't want a one-world government. We're not one world, okay? We We are really infinite worlds. Now, bear with me here, okay? No two people live in the exact same world, if you really think it through. Right? No two people have the exact same preferences, the exact same desires, aspirations, or goals. No two people see eye to eye on everything, and therefore, uh, no two people are going to agree at all times as how best to achieve any mutual shared objectives. We all live in our own little worlds, do we not? You and I live in our own little world. Now, modern social conditioning has made a very concerted effort to convince the youth 
that we are all one, we live in one world, that we share a single planet, and therefore we share a collective responsibility for managing resources and mitigating adverse impacts. Again, it sounds nice, but it's incongruent with reality. Such thinking has a very seductive appeal to certain emotions, most notably uh, sympathy and then, and then also the, the desire to connect with something bigger than oneself. It's, it provides an emotional sense of belonging, to save the planet for the greater good, you know. And if children can be separated from their parents at a young enough age and then institutionally indoctrinated throughout their formative years, they can be taught all sorts of nonsense. And they're going to accept these beliefs with an unshakable conviction. This is the source of the impulse to sacrifice oneself to save the planet, uh, much as it is also the source of the blindness to the many plights that beset us, especially uh, immigration. Young people have been conditioned to accept the belief that climate change is an existential threat to humanity. They've been told that climate change is driving mass migration that people are being displaced by natural disasters and, and rising oceans and, and crime that's being driven by climate change. And therefore, they believe these migrants have no choice but to move. They, they have to move because climate change, they have to seek asylum elsewhere. And young people accept this premise without so much as a second thought. Though the notion itself is incongruent with that reality, you know, they, they just accept it, right? And... I want to kind of explain in my own perspective as a mere ignorant peasant why this notion is incongruent with reality. The means to sustain oneself, i.e. self-subsistence, self-preservation, etc., these means are driven by instinctual needs that find their fulfillment in the natural world. We, we need not rewind history very far uh, even in our own country, to see healthy individuals and communities thriving within the context of self-reliance. It, it provides a sort of natural balance that seems to keep the worst elements of humanity in check and at bay. So back in the day, uh, in the thriving communities rooted in self-reliance, if someone was a criminal, they would just be dealt with, right? You know, take them out back and beat them with a stick or, you know, bury them, whatever the case may be. If, if someone was a derelict, they'd starve to death. Sympathy in the days of yore were, were not, sympathy was not weaponized in the way that it is in modern society. So if some grifter came rolling through town with a handout, they'd be sent upon their merry way. They were not allowed to just set up shop and shit in the streets and exploit the local community. You see what I'm saying here? I'm sure, friends, that you get the point. Now, in my mind, the contrast between then and now could not be more stark. You know, clearly things have changed and not for the better. Now we have millions of people who have access to every imaginable amenity, free food, free shelter, free programs uh, to get back on track, you know, and all of this. And, and yet, despite this relatively posh environment, we see drugs and crime and violence degrading society on every front. The question is, of course, why? Why, given every imaginable leg up, are, are we watching, you know, society just disintegrate before our eyes? 
And the, and the answer lies in human nature. People are different, and not everyone is good. We are not all one, any more than a rock is a tree, or a mountain is an ocean, or a bird is a lizard. We are, we are infinitely unique, and as such, we each live in our own unique worlds. That said, I want to, you know, granted, there's, there's some overlap at the local community, you know. Uh, we, we do have common goals at the local level. But people in India are not the same as the people in China or in the United States of America. People living in California are not the same as people living in Iowa or Alaska, for example. We are not all one. We are not all the same. And anybody who tries to tell you differently is deceived or dumb. <laughs> uh, they've been conditioned to believe false premises. Anyway, friends, you know, furthermore, uh, we don't want to live as one. We don't want to live our lives as if we're all the same. Can you imagine uh, eating what I wanted to eat every day? Can you imagine if, if, if you had to dress the way that I wanted to dress every day? Or if, if you had to live your life according to some, you know, whim from some, you know, bureaucrat on high or whatever the case may be. You know, we do not want to live all the same. We don't want to live as one. And striving to do so is a hopelessly lost cause. It can only lead to conflict. Any effort to arbitrarily impose oneness or sameness on the infinite diversity of humanity will inevitably backfire precisely because these notions are at odds with natural reality. Now, natural reality, friends, in my mind, natural reality is that which exists beyond uh, or outside of, independent of human interpretation, okay? And to see proof of this, of this, uh, you know, this irreconciliation between the ideas of oneness and sameness and natural reality, we really only need to examine the practical impact of letting millions of criminals crash through our border and demand cradle-to-grave government entitlements while simultaneously breaking the law, disrupting our communities, and subverting our constitutional processes. Because these illegal criminals have different desires. They live in their own little worlds. They don't integrate. They don't want to integrate. They don't want to do things the way that we do things. They just want free stuff. Okay? Now... Instead of integrating, they disintegrate the sense of unity in our local communities. They, they denigrate the social fabric that binds local communities together. Who are these outsiders? Where the hell do these guys come from? Why are they taking our stuff? Why are we supporting their worthless presence? Hmm? Why are we feeding them, housing them, and giving them all this free stuff when all they do is, is break the law and crap on the street, hang out in public spaces doing drugs and, and you know all of this stuff? Why are we doing this? Now, citizens around the globe are starting to wise up, you know, uh, People are starting to ask these relevant sort of questions. But the truth is, the pushback is too little and it's coming a little too late. The enemy is already here. Having exploited the sympathies and the apathy of the average citizen, they're already in our communities. And those who naively believe that we are all one have invited these criminals in, falsely assuming that ever, every person's intentions are as pure as the wind-driven snow and that we're somehow all in this together. That's a lie. 
Not everybody's intentions are pure, and we're sure as hell not in this altogether. So, factual evidence indicates that th- there, there are dangers in these you know, flawed assumptions, these erroneous assumptions, this flawed thinking. You know, if you consider the 1,100% surge, 1,100% surge in Chinese nationals who are illegally crossing our southern border right now, or the known terrorists who are coming in alongside them, we can see that not every person's intentions are pure and we're not all in this together. Does anyone honestly believe that these, you know, Chinese nationals, these known terrorists are here to assimilate and pursue the American dream? Of course not. But the truth is, unfortunately, there are plenty of useful idiots who do believe just exactly that. Just like there are plenty of useful idiots who believe that supporting genocide is somehow a justifiable position, so long as it aligns with the trending memes of groupthink. You know, how else do we reconcile the fact that the majority of young Americans think that Hamas terrorists murdering innocent people and beheading babies was actually justified? Similarly, friends, you know, 52% of Biden supporters adamantly believe that Republicans are a threat to the country. You know, just like, I, I guess what I'm getting at here is that people can be conditioned to believe anything. Just like plenty of useful idiots believe that Chinese nationals and known terrorists coming into our country just want to pursue the American dream. Just like uh, the majority of young Americans support the Hamas baby murderers. Similarly, 52% of Biden supporters adamantly believe, they believe that Republicans are a threat to the country. Okay. A shocking 41% of them believe that violence is justified to stop Republicans from achieving their goal. Now, I'm not making these numbers up, friends. Of course, I did put the link in the article for there, uh, there for you to peruse and check out. But think about uh, over half the country thinking that Republicans are a threat to the country, over 41% of them believing that violence is justified to stop Republicans from achieving their goals. You know, keep in mind, these are the same people who promote the collectivist delusion that human beings are all one. We're all one. Obviously, we're not. If you believe that violence is justified to stop uh, your political opposition from achieving their goals, how could you also believe that we're all one? Clearly, we're not. Now, just to be fair here, you know, 38% of Trump supporters also embrace violence to stop the Democrats. So what I want to make perfectly clear here is that neither the Republicans or the Democrats are actually the problem, and neither party is actually the solution. The two-party construct provides the illusion of choice, nothing more, nothing less. Just as there are no two people who are exactly the same per the laws of natural reality, there are also never only two ways of looking at things. And yet, the population at large has been conditioned to believe that the two-party system is the ultimate pinnacle of representative government, that somehow having two political parties perpetually feuding and pining for public support is what democracy is all about. Friends, it's a lie. It's not. That's not what it's all about. The political circus makes for good political theater, makes for kabuki theater. You know, it's a convenient distraction. And while everybody's conveniently distracted by the kabuki theater, those with ill intent, 
are continuing to work their dark magic and consolidate power and control. And the American people are none the wiser. The American people are getting played. And, and this is just one example, right? There's many, 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 many examples of the American people getting played. But the political circus, the two-party system, is a great example. Uh, while one side fights for democracy and the other side supposedly is fighting for the constitutional republic, neither side realizes that they are fighting against the wind. The political parties are holding pens. The political parties are mental cages. They keep us locked in circular thinking, lobbing insults over the fence at each other, while the real threats that threaten us all continue to could continue on this, you know, slow, methodical, strategic capture of our very humanity to snuff out the human spirit, to condition the masses to accept servitude in the name of the greater good. Friends, in today's world, you know, just as insane as it is to witness youth supporting genocide, we have law professors out there right now teaching their students that the Constitution is broken, that right-wing extremists are slaves to the Constitution, that the Constitution itself is a mere pretense for whatever the shifting majority are forming mob demands. That's what they're teaching kids these days. And as backwards as it is, friends, people believe it. And that's the problem. America's founding documents are rooted in natural reality. That's the solution. They, they enshrine the principles that transcend the fleeting notions and the fickle thoughts that get warped by the march of time. They stand as a reminder of our rights and our need to defend ourselves from foreign invasion, as well as defending ourselves against treason and tyranny from within, as well as defending ourselves against the worst aspects of humanity, of human nature, that inevitably corrupt the political ruling class. Friends, today, six out of ten Democrats believe that our country is on the right track. And that majority is growing, thanks in part to the flood of illegal immigrants that are rapidly changing our demographics. Young people are shifting to the left in droves, thanks to the institutional indoctrination that has turned them against our once great nation. Friends, the unfortunate truth is that we are in a new political era. But what does that mean for our future as Americans? What can we do to stop this onslaught of social assimilation? How can we end this ideological subversion before we've lost our country for good? Friends, the solutions to this dilemma are as complex as the problem itself. The solutions must be found through a reconcili reconciliation with reality. But that is an adventure we're going to have to save for tomorrow. Friends, I see the time here. Until then, just remember that resistance is the spice of life, and therefore, resist we must. And that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to go to the website, thetorchreport.com. Find the heart, click the heart, give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with someone. Share it with anyone. Share it with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this terrific Tuesday. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.